I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Welcome on in to Made for March on this last full week of the July month in the calendar. Can you believe it, Tim? Holy we are cruising. Cow. It seemed like not too long ago we were fretting over the fact that there is no college basketball. I think John Rothstein's awake by now. But we've got a ton to get to today. We're going to do another one of our recruiting redos. And this is a fun one. We're going to do the class of 2016. We did the class of 2017 last time, so you can check that out on our podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and download all the episodes, rate five stars, whatever you want to do with that, wherever you get your podcast. All right, Tim. So we've got a very, very tricky class yes. of 2016 to work with here today because I don't know about you, but I had a... Pretty clear cut number one, and then after that, it was going through the giant battle of balancing guys that were one and done versus guys who had long, very successful college careers. Right, so this is, so that everyone's clear, the seniors from this past season is yep, the 2016 class. And man, there was a good crop of seniors this past year, and a good crop of even upperclassmen that left after two, or I guess three years, if they were technically an upperclassman to choose from. I... I really didn't have a clear cut, number one. So I'm curious to see. Okay. Maybe you can lead us off because you're confident in the I'll number one. I'll kick us one. off. So just to refresh everyone how we do this, we each pick 12 guys and we're, we're cl crafting. It's not a draft to, to stack teams against each other. It's more of the two of us collaborating to make the top 24 guys in this class of 2016. If we're going back, getting a redo of all of it, every coach in America gets to redo their recruiting class for 2016. This is the way that we would rank it based on how their college careers panned out. Again, NBA careers mean nothing as a part of this, so that's worth noting as well. So I guess I'll lead us off here. My number one, by far and away, it was none other than Cassius Winston. This really? is a guy okay. who, to me, one of the best players in Big Ten history. I don't think you can really say that for many of the others. I think, okay, you can maybe say that about some of the Big East guys, but again, the Big East has a number of NBA Hall of Famers and stuff like that that came out of it. So I, I'm going with Cassius Winston, by far and away my number one in this class of 2016. Wow. So I have him third, and okay, you know, it's really tough. So you're gonna get your one two right here to go two three. Yeah, Everyone probably bumps up a slot. Are we gonna do it snake order? I guess we could do it that way. It doesn't really matter. Like we said, it's not actually. Like yeah, you want, we could just go back and forth. We'll yeah. just toss names back and forth. Right. Okay. So for Cassius Winston, if we were doing this going into this season, I would have put him number one. I think, and I struggle to even say that because is it really fair to? jump him down a couple spots considering just the tra tragedy that he went through in his life this past season and how you'd mm -hmm. have to imagine that may have impacted his play on the court. But he went from 2019 Big East Player of the Year to not 2020 Big, Big East, or Big Ten, excuse me, mm -hmm. uh, not Player of the Year in the Big Ten in 2020 because Luca Garza happened. And right. his stats and efficiency actually dipped this past year. Michigan State as a team was not as good as the lofty ambitions and expectations that they had. He was preseason 
Naismith player of the year, and he ends up not even being on any of the All-American teams, I'm pretty sure, on any of the two, according to the AP. But he did make a couple, I think he was second-team All-American this past year, actually. So I maybe I'm knocking him too much, but I had Marcus Howard as the top guy in this class. And again, okay. for me, one through even 12 are really neck and neck. Now, obviously, one to 12, I, I never thought of putting 12 number one, or number one, number 12. But my point is, a lot of these guys in this class, there's not a single player in the 2016 class that won Naismith Player of the Year, which is kind of weird, right? Because now we're four is, years yeah. into this. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of guys that were really, really good, but never were the clear-cut number one guy that year. And I kind of just gave the edge to Marcus Howard because he averaged 28 points per game. And no one else really kind of sniffed that from this class. He also was Big East all-time career scorer when he left in regular season games, passing Lawrence Moden. First team All-America this year, Big East player of the year this year, or uh, last year, Miles Powell won it this year. So again, he maybe had a little bit of a dip his senior year, but I felt like the tiebreaker there was just the points per game, which is weird for me to say, and I struggled to put him number one, because, you know, we always joke about how we never really watched him go off on this podcast, but he had more big games than really anyone from this class. My my rationale for Cassius Winston over a guy like Marcus Howard is the fact that when you look at the teams, okay, and I take that into account pretty heavily, Michigan State with Marcus Howard, or with, uh, with Cassius Winston, was just a much better team year in and year out. Yep. Went to the tournament all four years, or well, three years was going to go this year too, obviously, if everything had played out. Meanwhile, you look at Marcus Howard, and you've got some gaps to fill there. So he, he probably would have gone this year, but again, they're they're one of those middling teams in the Big East. They, they were going to get in this year based on the fact that it was a weaker crop of teams, but you got a gap back in 2017, 28, in that 2018 tournament. Um, and then he never won a tournament game in his career. So yeah, that's a good point. I take that pretty heavily. And Cassius Winston, he took down the big bad wolf that was the Duke Blue Devils led by Zion Williamson to go to the Final Four. So yeah. that's why I have Cassius ahead of Marcus Howard. Right. That's another thing that's tough to evaluate. The two big conundrums when the more we do these recruiting redos is how do you evaluate a freshman compared to a guy that played three or four years? And then how much stock do you put in how good their team was? Because Marcus Howard's production just on paper, 28 points, three assists this past year compared to Cassius Winston, 18.6 assists. I mean, Cassius had a great season. Don't get me wrong, but Marcus Howard's 28 points trumps him on production but I think that's a good point you bring up. And, you know, I think it's just personal preference. How much do you want to evaluate how good this guy was in the tournament and how many moments and big shots he hit and and that type of stuff? Yeah, so I, I actually had Marcus Howard. What do I have him? I have him fifth on my list here Okay. in terms of See, players. this is going to be fun. Again, I it's, think it's a tough be... one to do. All right. Yeah. 
So I'll go up. Here's our third player. When we're re-ranking the recruiting class of 2016, I'm going to take the first freshman off the board. I think the freshman was the easiest one to pick. Yes. And that's Lonzo Ball. No doubt the number one freshman in this class when it was all said and done. And he's a guy who was one and done and really made UCLA relevant again. I mean, this was a guy who was kind of there to to bring them back. Him alongside TJ Leaf, who we might talk about a little Mm -hmm. bit later on this show. But... Lonzo Ball, and I find him so crazy because in college, he was a very good three-point shooter, and you heard all about, oh, the Lonzo range, he's bringing back the Jimmer range, and then he goes to the pros, and he really hasn't been able to shoot the ball, he's been more of a distributor, and he still was a great distributor in college as well, but Lonzo Ball making the West Coast basketball very relevant, a lot of people stayed up to watch him, He, I feel like every single year when we do this there's a guy and who's the it guy for espn like the last one we did it was definitely trey young uh sometime we're probably going to do the class of 2018 and it's no doubt zion williamson in that class and then the 2016 class was definitely lonzo ball and i think he was by far and away the best freshman of this class of 2016 yeah no doubt he's the only freshman that was on the first team all america and from the guys that played out of the 2016 class so I think that's a clear-cut top freshman I had him actually fourth in my rankings okay um no no qualms with that I get it there's yeah. a lot of really good upperclassmen in this class right so I'll go to my next guy but I just want to say quickly on Lonzo looking back through his stats 15 points eight assists if you round up 7.6 and six rebounds that is just filthy and that doesn't even tell level. the full story of what he was too like, he was must-watch must, must watch TV every single night. Yeah, and I think we should consider that, kind of like we did with Trey Young, maybe. And to yeah. your point, if we did 2018 Zion, he'd definitely be number one. We could spoil that, mm-hmm. I think. But, okay, yeah. so my next guy, another guard. Very guard-heavy off the top here. There are a couple big men. It's funny, I think in the You 20- know, actually, I will say this. Before we go forward, yeah. this entire list is a huge win for the guard position and a huge win for the West Coast. Yeah. Would you agree with that? You're not wrong. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And we were noticing 2017 when we redid that one, that was kind of the class of the centers and the big men between right, yeah. Bomba, Aiden, Bagley even as a big man. All those Wendell guys, Carter. yeah. Yeah, so this is very guard heavy and a lot of experienced guards. I'm going to go with Carson Edwards next. Okay. So, and I think this goes back to your point about what did you do in the tournament? His last year at Purdue, when they lost to Virginia in the Elite Eight, and he goes 10 for 19 from three, I still remember being blown away watching that game live. Yeah, we were together for that game. Yeah, and him curling curling around screens, and I was rooting for Virginia because I had them to win March Madness that year. You and I both did. We made a little bit of change off of that, which was nice. Yep. And we were just really scared to watch Carson Edwards shoot at any point, almost to the point that I can't remember a comparable situation from a college basketball player in really recent memory. He was just one of those guys that was such a microwave scorer, could put up 40 at the drop of a hat, kind of like Marcus Howard, but was also super consistent, twice an All-American, 24.3 points per game in that last season in his junior year before he leaves. And 
A guy who was rated 118 in the class originally, which is saying something. I mean, Marcus Howard was 68th in the class. So my top two guys, this is according to the 24-7 composite ranking, both outside the top 65. Edwards outside the top 100. And I really think he is one of the better Purdue basketball players of all time because in the tournament, he was just phenomenal. He broke Steph Curry's three-point record. And he only played till the Elite Eight, which I guess Curry did too, but he set the all-time record in the NCAA for three-pointers made, which will probably be one of those records that continues to get broken as the three-ball becomes more popular. But I still think that tournament really stands out for me and acts as kind of a tiebreaker to some of the other really good guys in this class. Yeah, I, I mean, Carson Edwards, he was a, a microwave at school, and, and I loved watching him at Purdue. He, he just didn't fit the brand of Big Ten basketball because it, with no. him it was always go, 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 whereas Big Ten basketball is, all right, let's slap the floor, let's play some defense. And the for people who didn't maybe catch all of Carson Edwards outside of the tournament, remember Cole Anthony in the opener this year against Notre Dame? That's what Carson Edwards was yeah, that's a good pretty one. much his entire career. I think Carson Edwards is a guy who was built for the ACC or the Big 12 and ended up in the Big 10. So, yeah. All right, next up on the list, I've got another guard. We're going five straight guards to kick this thing off. Five straight point guards Love to kick it. this thing off. Miles Powell. Seton Hall, he was phenomenal this year, won the Big East Player of the Year, like you mentioned, and was a consensus All-American and just steadily grew year to year. He actually had his best season scoring-wise as a junior when he put up 23 points per game, but he was also a pretty good defender too. I mean, his junior year was actually his best season when you look at it, the, the numbers, 23 points, almost three assists, two steals to go along with uh, four rebounds as well, and... I think with him, he this was one of the guys who just he just kept getting better year after year and then worked his way up to where he is in this rankings to end up as the number five guy. Yeah, so when I initially did this list, I had Powell at number 10 right before we were about to do this. And then I thought about it and kind of glanced at it and was like, how can I have Marcus Howard 1 and Powell 10? When I've gone on record this past year, and the Big East Player of the Year stands that fact that I would probably rather have Miles Powell on my team, at least from this past year, than I would Marcus Howard. So it's it that shows you how bunched this is. So I moved him up to eventually seven on my list. So you have him just a little bit higher than me, but for all those reasons, I think... And another guy who I can't remember his exact ranking, who's probably just outside 70, I think I saw, on the 24-7 composite which again exceeded expectations and shows you like a school like Seton Hall if they get one of those guys that is so big for a program like that so all right that's that's a good pick there at four I'm gonna break the guard streak here although I do have a lot of other guards that could be in the conversation for number yeah, five. I got a bunch yeah I'm gonna go with uh, a guy we really loved watching in college Grant Williams from Tennessee all right and he was 191 on 24-7 sports, coming out of Charlotte, very under-recruited, gets to Tennessee, and really just proved everyone wrong. 2019, first-team All-American, two-time SEC Player of the Year, 18 points, seven rebounds, three assists in his final year at Tennessee. And those Tennessee teams were just really fun to watch. They didn't do a whole lot in the tournament, which Rick Barnes... Uh, Again, kind of underperforms in the tournament a little bit, but 
Anyway, I do think they lost to Carson Edwards. I remember that game. Yeah. They almost came back too. Yeah, they had a uh, they had a couple years in the tournament in a row where they were involved in some really tight games. And I mean, even their first game, what was it, Colgate? They were playing in a two fifteen match, yeah. and they almost blew that. Yeah. So a little underperforming and a little underwhelming in the tournament. And I don't know. It's sometimes I struggle with. Okay, he's a two-time SEC Player of the Year, but what would he have been in maybe an ACC or a Big Ten? And it's hard to evaluate him compared to a Miles Powell or a Marcus Howard. But he did win that award twice, and I don't really know, looking through my list, if really any of the other guys won their Conference Player of the Year award more than once, which is kind of crazy. It just shows how like Cassius Winston won it as a junior, didn't win it as a senior. I believe Howard won it as a junior and then loses it to Powell as a senior. So I think we got to give him some credit for the consistency thing. And while there are a lot of other good guards, I think he's the first non-guard that I would take from this 2016 class. Yeah, I actually, I had him fifth on my list, but you slid a couple guys up ahead of, of some of the guys I had. So yeah, we're pretty much in agreement there with Grant Williams. I, I will say this about Grant. When you bring up the SEC Player of the Year two times, and people may roll their eyes at that, like, oh, well, the SEC isn't a basketball conference. Well, sure, you're right. It's not, but you're still going up against the Kentucky Stars every yep. single year for that award. All it takes is one really good year out of those Kentucky guys. And again, he has to do this across the span of three years, and for him to have taken it twice, I think says a lot about what he did at the college levels, too. So I think Grant Williams is a phenomenal pick there. And, I mean, just watching him, and I'm glad he, he's carved out a nice role with the Celtics as well because, I mean, you, you read all the things about him, just stand-up guy, one of the best in yeah. all of sports, not just not just basketball, all of sports. And it's a really cool cool story to watch play out with him. All right, next up for me, where am I on my list? All right, I'm going to go back to the guards. We're going out west again, Tim. We're going uh, to Peyton Pritchard. I know Pritchard. where you're going. Yep. Yep, because the Oregon, list. Yeah. the Oregon Ducks were very, very good during Pritchard's time with the Ducks. And, I mean, you're talking about tournament after tournament, deep runs, overachieving. I think one of the years he was a, a 12 seed that overachieved. He won the Pac-12 one year on a, an absolute heater of a run for the Ducks. And I, I just loved watching Peyton Pritchard. He was the commander-in-chief. He hit the big shots for them, too. Or he could facilitate an offense and kind of be a game manager. He could play a bunch of different roles for Oregon and had a super successful career with the Ducks. Yeah, I love that pick. Also, just the clutch shot type of thing and what he did in the Pac-12 tournament. Went on a couple runs in the NCAA tournament with Oregon. And this past year... That shot he hit against Washington still stands yep. out in my mind as one what of the better What a crazy shots. game that was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of the more memorable games of the year, and he had a big part in that. 25-4 and four this past year, Pac-12 Player of the Year, and a first-team All-American. So really great career for a guy who was 54th in the initial rankings in the 2016 class. All right, this next guy I have, going to go back to the freshman well. I'm really curious to see where you put him. He was one of the hardest guys for me to rank. I think I know where you're going, and if I'm guessing correct, he's also my next pick. Okay. Is it Malik Monk, Kentucky? It is not Malik Monk. Oh, okay. So I was torn on which freshman to go with next, but as a tiebreaker, I looked at 2016 All-America teams. Obviously, we mentioned Lonzo Ball was the only guy on the first team. 
Malik Monk was the only freshman to make the second team. So I figured that's a good indication of kind of how he stacked up relative to the other freshmen. But you could go either way. Obviously, those aren't gospel. We often disagree a lot with the All-American teams, honestly. And that's kind of the nature of them. However, Monk was kind of a personal favorite of mine, too, and was one of those players that garnered a lot of hype, kind of like Lonzo did, not quite to that level, but was borderline must-see TV on several occasions, had that microwave ability, and scored 47 in a game against UNC. I remember shot at, that one, yep. Yeah, shot at 40% from three, becomes SEC Player of the Year as a freshman, which goes to show you that's an example of one that Grant maybe would have had to go against. Grant obviously wasn't as good in his freshman year as Malik Monk, so he wasn't in the conversation. But one of those Kentucky guys that really shined 20 points per game, the knock on him maybe wasn't a great defender, didn't do a whole lot outside of just shooting and and being kind of a microwave scorer, but he was a second-team All-American, so I gave him the edge as the next freshman. All right, I'm going to I'm going to counter your freshman with another freshman, the freshman who actually averaged the most points per game in the entire class. That's Markel mm-hmm. Fultz. He ends up being the number 1 pick after a season at Washington, 23.2 points per game again. Another win for the West Coast here in this in this class of 2016, but with Fultz, again, he didn't play in the tournament, but he just put up such gaudy numbers in a Power 5 conference that I have to go with him as our number eight guy on this list. And with Fultz, I think this is probably going to be the the lowest you'll see a guy that ended up being the number one overall pick in a class of any of these classes that we do. That shows you how good this class is. He is number five originally on the 24-7 composite. He has 23 points, six assists, six rebounds, and becomes the number one overall pick, and he drops to number eight, which is actually exactly where I had him in my rankings, right behind Malik Monk. So we're kind of on the same page there. All right, number nine, got to go back to the big men. Another one that I I was struggling to rate, and that's kind of the case for a lot of these guys. We get to a tier here where you kind of go either way, I feel like, on a lot of these. But Mm -hmm. I'll go Ruri Hachimura because he was a first-team All-American out of Gonzaga. Julius Irving Award winner, 19 points per game in his final season. And I think because he was first-team All-American, he gets a slight edge. And another guy outside the top 100, just a classic Gonzaga guy. This was a really good Gonzaga class. And we might get to a couple other names maybe when we do some superlatives at the end. But just... Classic Gonzaga, real in a guy outside the top 100, turn him into a really solid NBA player now and was just a clear-cut dominant figure for them for a couple years. I like that pick. I'm going to also stick on the West Coast with a West Coast big man too for our number 11 guy, and that is Yuli Child, someone who honestly I think is maybe going to be underrated in this class. He put up in his final two seasons back-to-back years of 21-9. and at least and had eight plus rebounds all four years he had to sit out some games his senior year because of some draft uh technicalities and stuff like that and things were they were just a giant snag in in that whole situation but yuli childs from byu and i i mean i i'm surprised that he didn't get more love on this i started to think about it and think you know i think he's actually a top 10 guy in this class And I had to think about it a little bit. And then you look through the consistency year after year after year, and he's putting up the rebound numbers, and he puts up the scoring numbers his last three years. 
And Yuli Childs, I think, is someone, probably the most underrated guy in the entire class. Well, to show you how underrated he is, I honestly just kind of forgot about him while we were doing these rankings, and he wasn't even in my top 24. Now, if I could go back, I would probably rate him higher, but I think it's it's the BYU thing where he didn't stand out, or I didn't remember him as much, and then, you know, I probably just missed him once we were going through the, the old 24-7 sports page, but that is that's a really good pick, because consistency really good numbers year after year all right my next guy on the board was miles powell we already discussed him so number 11 which happens to be my number 11 on these rankings i'm going miles bridges another michigan state guy okay 17 and 8 as a sophomore follows it up with or as a freshman follows it up with 17 and 7 as a sophomore and kind of surprising honestly when he came back didn't get the most out of that Michigan State team. They got upset by Syracuse in his sophomore year, and then he went to the NBA. Originally ranked 12th, though, on this 24-7 composite when they had the 2016 rankings. And, I mean, just one of the better players in college for back-to-back years on a really good team and a really good conference that was night in, night out, going to bring it for you. Really smart player, could score at all three levels, good defender, so, I, you know, Tom Izzo always spoke so highly of him. And I think he really, despite only playing two years, not doing a whole lot in the tournament, is, is up there for Michigan State in recent memory. One of the better in-game dunkers of late, too, yeah. in all of college basketball. I think Miles Bridges, everyone was pretty surprised when he said he was coming back for his second season at Michigan State because he was going to be a lottery pick in the 2016 draft and then or the, rather the 2017 draft, and then he comes back. And he's one of those rare guys that we see in, in today's NBA draft classes where he goes back for his sophomore year, and he doesn't totally murder his draft stock. Usually when you go back for your sophomore year yeah. after being pegged as a guy who could be in the lottery, you usually fall back at least a couple spots. And he went about where he was going to go. I can't remember exactly, but it was inside the lottery. Yeah, he was lottery. It was a back-end lottery guy, and he he stayed inside the lottery for his sophomore season. So I guess you have to tip your cap to that with Miles Miles Bridges. So 17 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game over his career, and according to Dan Dockich, zero game, if that's an official stat in in the Dockich (laughs) library uh, of – or Dockich ref or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. All right. Next up, I'm going to go back to the freshman well here. Lowry Markkinen. This is a guy who definitely overachieved his ranking. He was the number 36 guy on 24-7's composite. Ends up being the number 7 overall pick. And just had a very, very good season to work his way up. And showed that he could do everything. He could play inside. He could play outside. He could pretty much do anything you wanted him to do offensively on the basketball court. And... I think that Lowry Markkinen, just the way that he elevated his game from being in this class the number 36 guy to end up being the number 7 overall pick after being a one-and-done, says a lot about what he produced as a college player. And, I mean, I remember watching him in the tournament and just thinking to myself, yep, that guy is going to be a very good NBA player. And while he's dropped off a little bit lately this past season, I still think he's there's a lot of hope out there for him to be a very good NBA player. Man, I I gotta say I think that's some Bulls bias there. I I really I was surprised. Here's by the that. thing: it's not Bulls bias because I actually have always been on the trade Lowry. Camp. Okay, all right. So the, I'm pulling my Bulls bias out of here. I'm surprised you haven't Celtics biased me yet. I know who you want to pick. 
Well, actually, that's, that's he's funny. also next on my list. That's too. funny because that's the guy that's next on my list. But it's Jason Tatum to spoil it, who was fourth in this class originally. I think he, it fits well putting him at thirteen. I just can't justify putting him too much lower. And honestly, I thought about it here with Jason Tatum. It gets back to the debate of how do you compare a freshman to a senior. If Jason Tatum played four years at college, he'd literally still be playing at Duke right now. And think about how good he is at the NBA. I know we're not supposed to consider NBA, but like he would probably be number one in these rankings if he played as long as Marcus Howard, Carson Edwards. And his freshman season was still really good at Duke. 17 points, seven rebounds, hit some big shots for them was every bit as advertised coming out as the number four ranked recruit in the country. And yes, it's probably Celtics bias, but I, I had four other It's freshmen. not Celtics bias. I think that's, yeah, I think that's the perfect place to put them. Yeah, I, I'm surprised you have Markinen that high, though, because I have four other freshmen before I get to Markinen. And look, he was really okay. good. And I, you bring up some good points there, but Tatum, to me, just because he played one year will have him way lower than if he played four years. And that's the thing. I mean, that's why we do these rankings with the college perspective. But I still thought about it so hard and was thinking like, man, he would still be at Duke right now. And he's a top 10 player in the NBA maybe this year as he was coming on. Here's the thing that I'm worried about what's going to happen with Tatum's legacy as a college player, even though he was just a one and done, is that his pro career is going to be worlds better than his college career. And that's not to say he had a bad college career because he didn't. He averaged about 17 and, and 7 yeah. in, as a, a just a freshman at Duke. But a good Duke team. his pro career, yeah. But like when it's all said and done, at some point Jason Tatum is going to be a top 5 player in the NBA. And I don't think you could say that and, and again, you can't gauge that because he's going to play in the nba he's already played what four years in the nba now yeah so he's played four times the amount in the nba that he's that he third played year in college right now third year okay so three times the nba that he's played college ball at this point but his nba career is going to be way better than his college career and i think if we did this in five years we might bump up tatum a little bit because he'd get that slight nba bump just because of we the dominance we've seen out of him at the nba level but I don't want to diminish from what he was as a college player either because he was very good there too. Yeah, no, I totally agree with all of that. And that's why this list is fun because we're looking at it from the college perspective. All right, 10 picks to go here on our top 24. My next one that I've got for you, a guy who's a national champion and was a part of, I've actually got three guys from the same school all yep. for my next three. I don't know oh my if gosh, that's how so it lines up for you. Do <laughs> yeah, you really? Okay. Exactly so the same. I'm, how about this? I'll give my order of the three because I'm guessing we have the same school. And then yep. you give your order of the three. Okay? Okay. All right. I've got DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. I put Guy ahead of Hunter and then Jerome. Okay. But okay. I, honestly... I was tearing these because it's it's hard to you know crunch the numbers and rank them, and I don't know about you, right. but I go through and tear them initially. Those guys are inseparable. Yes, I, I, and, you just can't do it. Right, <laughs> like they're gonna appear in our rankings the same way, and I just think of them. Remember when the Atlanta Hawks had that really good season a couple years ago, and one week for the the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. <laughs> That's true. They just gave yeah. it to the entire Hawks starting five. That's like, they couldn't example. separate the five of them. 
yeah. that's what I'm doing here with these three for Virginia. I can't separate them. Now, we've got to order a little mi- mixed from from each other. You've got Guy ahead of Hunter. I've got it vice versa. But those three guys, they, they need to be going down in history as three guys who you cannot say one's name without saying the other two. I totally agree. I mean, this is the national championship class for Virginia. This 2016 mm-hmm. class is definitely going down in history. Kyle Guy was 37 in the initial rankings. DeAndre Hunter, 91 in the composite. Ty Jerome, 44. Jay Huff is also a top 50 guy from this class, but no one inside the top 30. And it's that good of a class. I mean, that speaks so much to Tony Bennett, Virginia, their player development. And, you know, we have a soft spot for this class because, as I said, they made us some money. And by winning that March Madness and coming back after losing the year before when they didn't have DeAndre Hunter. But, yeah, I mean, I think Hunter you could put ahead. He he did win ACC Defensive Player of the Year. So I guess we'll just go Hunter 14, Guy 15, Jerome 16, which is pretty amazing because I had Guy 14, Hunter 15, Jerome 16 in my initial ranking. So it lined up perfectly. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing right there. And I I really think that, the reason I have Hunter above is because I, I look at this class and I see, okay, they lost in the first round in a one sixteen matchup without Hunter. Then they get Hunter and go Good from point. being the laughing stock of the tournament to the champions. Yeah. The all-time turnaround title, as Jim Nance would put it. So, right. All right, next up, I've got I, – I mentioned how Yuli Childs was maybe the most underrated guy in the class. I'm going to go with the second most underrated guy in this class, and that is Mr. Double-Double himself, John Mooney. Back-to-back seasons yeah. of averaging a double-double at Notre Dame. So he's doing it in the ACC, whereas Yuli Childs is doing it in the WCC. And I think that Mooney never got the recognition he deserved because Notre Dame was always kind of a suspect team, and I felt like – he, he lived in the shadows of Bonzi Colson for a little bit and, and didn't really get a ton of playing time or a lot of production his first two years, but kicks it into gear his last two years. A first-team All-ACC guy probably deserved a lot more love this past season to be the ACC Player of the Year, but like I mentioned, Notre Dame not a great team, and that's probably what hurt him. Notre Dame, weird stretch for them. I think we're going to see a lot of their guys pop up as we do these recruiting redos. And, you know, you mentioned a name like Bonzi Colson. They just had a couple guys that got injured at a tough time or it never really lined up, but it's not like they lack talent in this sort of three, four-year stretch where they've been a little bit under the radar or underperformed relative to maybe what they were doing when they went on a couple Elite Eight runs in a row. But, yeah, I, I had Mooney 20. I, I'm kind of right there with you. I think that's a good pick. I'll go back to freshman here. I was torn on which freshman to rank next after Tatum and, of course, Lonzo Ball and Malik Monk. I think I'm going to go Dennis Smith Jr., who was number seven in the original class. Tough because he didn't really do anything, like, tournament-wise, and NC State ended up not being that good. But really a a dazzling freshman for NC State. Had several games that he had, like, I think he had like 17 assists in one game, something outrageous, and a very balanced final stat line his freshman year. 18 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists per game. A little bit easier maybe to do it at NC State than, say, at Kentucky, but someone who was every bit as good as he was talented and projected to be going into that class. 
I I like that pick. I had him one spot below the next guy I'm going to get to, and that's Anthony Lamb out of Vermont, who absolutely outperformed, probably the biggest outperformer in the entire class. He was the number 412 guy in the class. And and just to give you context of how we kind of frame these these classes and, and do our preparation for this show... Tim, because I, I went through every single guy that 24-7 ranked, and Tim was like, do I have to go much further than 200? And I was like, yeah, you got to go all the way to 412 because that's Anthony Lamb. Yeah. And that's, I mean, this is a guy who was the best player on a team that was perennially the best team in their conference in the America East, and Lamb was a big reason why. And he was not just that, but he's worked his way into some consideration to maybe be an NBA draft pick too. And yeah. He was just the dominant force. He, I think, is a guy who... He's one of the guys who I felt the most bad for that there was no NCAA tournament because he's a guy who probably could have pulled some sort of upset this year because that Vermont oh, yeah. team was very good. Yeah, and we chatted with Jake Marsh on this podcast who, of course, is or was the voice of Vermont this past season. And, man, we were setting it up for that to be the Cinderella team. It really was was heading that way. That's a good point. That That's a bummer for sure that they didn't get to kind of partake in, I guess what will be his last season, um, which is such a bummer. Great career though for Anthony lamb. All right. Another freshman for me, these, this next guy was basically in a tie with Dennis Smith jr. And very similar kind of skill sets and just how they're faring in the NBA. Actually, that's not fair. He's, he's doing better in the NBA, although we don't factor that in, but it's De'Aaron Fox from Kentucky who I think had a great freshman season at Kentucky. 17 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. I mean, that's basically the same stat line as I just listed for Dennis Smith. He was one spot above him initially in the 24-7 composite rankings as the number 6 guy in this 2016 class and was just really good, really fun to watch at Kentucky with Malik Monk for that season. And it's hard to really put him much lower than where we have him right here at number 20. I like that pick. My, my all-time favorite moment from that 2016 tournament was seeing De'Aaron Fox crying after losing in the tournament. Not because I'm I'm the adult pointing at the <laughs> right. kid who's crying after. No, but it, it was cool to see how much passion he had for that Kentucky team because I think you and I, especially with these freshmen who go one and done, we look at these Kentucky guys and say, oh, they're just there for their six months. They're going to get drafted, and they don't care what they do at Kentucky. They don't care if they win the tournament or not. But to see De'Aaron Fox care that much about the NCAA tournament and the fact that it was the last time he was putting on the Kentucky Blue, that said a lot to me. And that kind of made me fall in love with De'Aaron Fox and who he was as a player. And I've been rooting for him a lot at the next level with the Sacramento Kings, too. Yeah, he's right. been good, Where? Too. Yeah. All right, where are we on my list here? All right, next up, a guy who definitely overachieved, spent a couple years in the ACC, Josh Akogi. And good pick. Yeah. Akogi is a guy who he... He really just did everything for Georgia Tech, kind of made him relevant, even though the Yellow Jackets didn't have the greatest of success, but he was a part of that team that helped rebuild under Josh Pastner, kind of got them to where they are. It was him and Ben Lammers that were kind of the tag team of Georgia Tech guys that that made them not a 
Well, I mean, Georgia Tech was kind of a pushover for a couple years, and and then Akogi and Lammers come along, and Akogi works himself into being a first-round draft pick, too, by the Wolves, and has had a solid NBA career for himself. But I, I just really liked Josh Akogi's game, and I think a lot of other coaches wish they had a Josh Akogi on their roster, too. Yeah, this is where it gets into personal preference and maybe a little bit of bias because I had Tyus Battle above Akogi out of Syracuse. Okay. And... You know, we obviously were at Syracuse during a lot of the time where Tyus Battle was at Syracuse. Just a really big gamer, great mental guy, a lot of big shots out of him, and someone who basically carried those Syracuse teams. And I think if I, you know, had to pick, would I rather have Josh Akoki or Tyus Battle on my team for two, three seasons? I would probably go the Tyus Battle route, but very similar in terms of the numbers they put up and coming out of the ACC and guys that probably overachieved a little bit. All right, my last pick here. I'm torn between two guys because, like you said, everything right now is kind of pick and choose. And, and right now I'm torn between do I go with the the veteran guy who stuck it out for four years or do I go with a guy who was one and done? Um, I think I'm going to go with the veteran, even though he never played in the Big 12 tournament. Adoka Azubuki. Oh, man. And yeah. He was in this class, believe it or not. And he was a guy who he's just been a main fixture for that Kansas team for the past four years. And the NBA, who knows if it'll come calling his name, but Adoka Azubuki had a very, very good college career, even though he battled some injuries along the way. Really glad you picked him. And the reason why I audibly went, oh, man, is because I had him like 16th on my list and then as we were going through this I forgot that we hadn't called his name yet and kind of (laughs) skipped over him so glad that he makes it because he was a first team all-american this past year and I mean literally misses like one out of every 10 shots it seems like when he's on the court he's like 70 percent year after year field goal percentage so I think it's rightfully so to give him some love all right this is pretty fitting who the last guy is on our 24 here It's the guy who was number one in the 24-7 sports composite (laughs) in 2016. Josh Jackson, who goes to Kansas like Yudoka Azubuki, back-to-back Kansas guys here. And I don't know. I mean, he had a really good year at Kansas, but it shows you how good this class is when we reevaluate. And maybe we gave a little bit more love to the upperclassmen because we just like guys that stay long. But, I mean, Josh Jackson has 16 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists in his lone year at Kansas. Goes on to be the 4th overall pick for the Phoenix Suns, now with the Grizzlies. And he falls from 1 to 24, and Harry Giles was number 2 in this class. And obviously we can't really rank him because he missed a lot of time, didn't start enough games at Duke, and didn't have the stats. And that wasn't his fault. It's kind of like Michael Porter Jr., who was number 2 in the 2017 when we redid that one. So yeah, fitting way to have him just make the list and not so much his fault, but he only stayed one year, which hurts his chances of staying up there. And then also, this is just a really good class with a lot of guys who were all Americans. Yeah, I I I was very interested to see if Josh Jackson was going to end up in this list because I think I don't have the numbers next to the guys that are ranked, but I think I've got Jackson somewhere in like the 20 Five to 27 range just yeah. from eyeballing it and uh, yeah he he's another one that i think um i think probably underperformed i won't even say underperformed but just kind of shows you how good and 
the longevity of some of the guys that were in this class. Right. Some of the guys that we left on the cutting room floor. One of my personal favorite guys uh, was Kai Bowman, the the freshman that I was alluding to, TJ yeah. Leaf. Oh, uh, Shamori yeah. Pons was in this class. Tony Carr, Elijah Hughes, Kamar Baldwin, Jared Allen, Bam Adebayo, and Jonathan Isaac. You got anyone else that we missed? Uh, Malachi Flynn. Give a shout out to him. He was oh, 293 yeah. mm-hmm. in this class. And I think that's about it. Uh, Kevin Herter didn't, I don't think, was in consideration, but good pickup for Maryland in the 65 spot in this class. Um, yeah, I mean, Bam Adebayo is a tough one too. He was number nine in the class and puts up 13 and eight. I think his NBA career is probably going to make him look better. He's, he's kind of on the Jason Tatum trajectory. Yeah. I was going to say same thing now. Some of the other guys who took big leaps from their recruiting spots who we haven't already hit on Killian Tilly was number 123 and Zaga could never stay on the floor, but yeah, he's another one of those guys. Trey Landers, 219, uh, Fiondu Cabangeli from Florida State, 270. Jordan Bohannon at 312, and he jumps his way all the way up because of the career he's had at Iowa. Some of the guys who didn't perform up to snuff here. One of our guys who we talked about in our last podcast when we were talking about mixtapes, that's 7th Woods. Yeah. He was number 48 in this class. And really, if you told me when I watched his mixtape for the first time what he would be in the class, I probably would have told you number one. But right. Where is he now? He transferred to um, South Carolina and then somewhere we, else, right? Yeah, we, we said it on the last podcast, and now I can't remember. I, right. I don't even think it's a Division One school where he's yeah. playing at right now. Um, some other guys who didn't perform up to snuff, it was Sasha Kalia Jones, who's now an yeah. NC State transfer. He was 21st in this class. I haven't really heard his name well, at he's, all. I don't or, think he's with NC State anymore. I think he got oh, kicked off Oh, is he not the there team. anymore? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so. He, he's searching for work now. I think he actually, now that you say that, I believe he's playing overseas right now. Yeah. Um, Marquise Bolden, who still had a solid Duke career, but he was a McDonald's All American and the number 14 guy per 24 7. Kobe Simmons from Arizona, 26. And this guy, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't have a better career because. I think he, he's got the unfair... It's kind of like Marcus Jordan, son of Michael Jordan, how he was unfairly judged. But Costas Antetokounmpo was yeah. ranked 101 on this list. And I was always told that he was going to be the best Antetokounmpo because he got his training in the United States, unlike his brothers, Thanasis and Giannis. But Costas never really panned out at Dayton, although he did end up being, I believe, the 60th overall pick in yeah, the, the draft. So he, he ends up being a, a draft pick. And then... Just one that, again, you're probably going to hear me say this name and think, oh, he was a top recruit. I don't remember him being a top recruit. Well, no, he wasn't a top recruit, and he still didn't live up to this billing at number 226, but it's none other than Jack White. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going there, but yes, Jack White, one of our favorites on this podcast. What do you go, 0 for 41? Was that his stretch from three that that he was missing on? It was something absurd like that. Coach K still gave him way too many minutes after all that that time. Frank Jackson, another guy from this Duke class that maybe underperformed a little bit because I think he was a top 20 guy in this class. Uh, A couple quick Mm -hmm. shout-outs to give. Um, I just want to shout-out Penn State. Very nice little class they put together here. With yeah, Tony Lamar Carr. Stevens also in this. Yeah, Lamar Stevens and Tony Carr. In this, and I think they had another guy who panned out pretty well, who I'm blanking on, who was just outside the top 200. Nice class for a program like Penn State. Maryland had a pretty good class. They got Anthony Cowan at 62. Um, 
you know, Josh Lankford, a name that maybe we should mention just because injuries may have prevented him from getting into the yeah. conversation more, was rated 19th overall and really was trending to be a, a key fixture on a really good Michigan State team this year and obviously just never panned out. But, yeah, I think that kind of does it for the superlatives for me. But a really good class in the end that just – I think the Josh Jackson thing just really summarizes it. Number one guy puts up about 17 points, seven rebounds, and he falls to 24. That's college basketball for you. Really fun class here in this class of 2016. We'll do the class of 2015 next week on the show and also catch you up on any college basketball news you may have missed. One thing I do want to say before we go, Phil Petrosev from Gonzaga going yeah. to play overseas instead of coming back. So significant West Coast basketball news. So we've been <laughs> hyping up the West Coast this entire time, and now we leave you on a little West Coast being right. West Coast in terms of the basketball scene. But I don't think I've ever really seen that. A guy leave school with the intent on playing overseas because I thought he might get a little bit of NBA look. But yeah. I guess not. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the show. We'll do the class of 2015 next week. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you next week. The game was over.